A shot of JD with friends. Conversations from Oklahoma City. I barbecue with, with this dude. We eat ribs and, and whatnot and listen to salsa music. You sure I'm coming from? No, I'll turn this into a 30-minute dance party. Don't play with me. The problem is that I have a voice in my head that when I'm talking to people, it just start having a conversation with me and I be replying back. As far as I'm concerned, this guy is doing it right. A shot of JD. Please listen carefully. Welcome back to the Shot of JD podcast, or welcome to the Shot of JD podcast. I'm your host, Jason Doyle, a uh, fairly well-known local broadcaster in the Oklahoma City area. Used to work in Kansas City as well, uh, and all kinds of stuff. We're recording this podcast on February 9th, 2021, and it's kind of a uh, renewal of the Shot of JD podcast, and here's how it's going to work this time around. We're going to kind of expand the name. As you heard in the intro, it's Shot of JD with Friends. So I'm bringing on a series of friends of mine, uh, or relatively even some of the new friends, but we'll have a roster of co-hosts that are going to join us and special guests and things like that. So we can have a little bit more conversation, because here's the deal. I've been listening to all kinds of podcasts. And uh, my biggest issue is uh, when I listen to a comedian's bo- uh, podcast, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to tell jokes. It's going to be great. And all I hear is some dude bitching about their day. And it's like, that's not a very good podcast. And then I listen back to mine and I try to sound a little bit too newsy because I'm a working journalist and that that's a bad habit. But it sounded, you know, it kind of got things across. But what I found that I liked the most about podcasts when somebody was having a conversation and that's really kind of what I was trying to do with Shot of JD podcast. So now we're going to call it a Shot of JD with friends, conversations from Oklahoma City. They'll be Oklahoma City centric. The the one rule that I put down on this thing, and it's just one rule only, is that we won't really talk about the politics of the day. Uh, and the reason why I'm a working journalist, don't want to show bias one way or another, and uh, and things change, you know, and, and minds change. And so I may feel one way w- about a political situation one day and a different way another. And if this is still out there in the uh, universe, then it could catch, uh, catch up with me and stuff like that. Of course, uh, you know, when I was a talk show host and not in journalism, I did share opinions. So people kind of know where I lie, but I really, really, really work. Uh, very hard as a journalist to make sure I'm a a, a, a disconnected, a disinterested observer and are able to give uh, multiple views of any kind of situation and story. So we won't really be talking about politics for that reason. There are sometimes we'll talk about really higher scope type things that like, you know, it, it, our political message is pervasive in our entertainment. You know, we might talk a little bit, something like that, but that's, that's going to be kind of one of those things that'll come down the road and, and we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, so, uh, like I said, big roster of folks that have come forward and said, Hey, we want to join you on these conversations. And for this new and improved version of the shot of JD with friends, the first friend that gets to come on board with me. And I love this because uh, I work with this uh, lady uh, professionally a lot and she comes through for me so many times and I just absolutely love how hard she works. And uh, her name is April Sandiford, or Sandiford, ah, Sandiford, April, save me. I'm saying that three times fast, April Sandiford, it's April Sandiford. It's my friend April. I love you. I've always loved you. I love you more every time I see you. So, 
So, April, that's that's how I feel because you've always been fantastic. And when you said you wanted to kind of uh, join us on the Shot of JD podcast, I got excited because it's a different. You have a different point of view on all kinds of different things. I love picking your mind. I love our little side conversations we have, like when we're at press conferences or we're doing something and stuff like that. So, I don't know if you want to reveal where you work or anything like that. I'm sure some folks know about you, uh, but tell you tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm so excited to be on your show, JD. But you know, first of all. A shot with JD. I didn't ever. I don't see a shot anywhere. Where's that shot going? Uh, see, that's the thing. Is I really don't drink during the week anymore. Uh, but I've got. I don't know yeah. if we can be friends again. I don't know. Well, special occasions, I'll do that. I'll do that. You know, and then no. I'll do the beer chats on Facebook every once. Yeah. In a well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm okay. I work with, um, work for OU Health, very proudly work for OU Health. I, I don't, I am not a medical person, but I've been working in healthcare for so long that I probably could diagnose most of your ailments and tell you what to do for them. So, you know, I could, I could try to pull it off. So I, I play, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's been fun working with you over the years and, um, and uh, you've you've done some good good you've gotten some great information out there for us so I appreciate that opportunity and it's so fun to be on your show and I'm glad I get to be one of your friends. Yes, yes, and and we'll get to have you on several times. That's the fun thing is this is going to be a rotating roster and we're going to have fun with different people in different aspects and looking at all kinds of different things because one of the things we talked about that we wanted to talk about uh, is travel after COVID. I mean because. I'm not a big world traveler or anything like that. I, I I might get up to Kansas City every once in a while to see my daughter and my grand uh, grandson and friends and and all that. But uh, really, it's like I, I'm kind of I stay close to home. You know, a lot well, you know you've been around. What, what got me thinking about that was because I thought, oh. I'll talk about COVID with JD today. And I guess, you know, that's, that's my, my world pretty much. And I, that's most of our worlds right now, but you know, and then I started thinking, um, I, I'm a little COVID fatigued, you know, and I, and, and, and we're seeing such positive turn in things and, and, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic in the way things are going. So I thought, I started thinking what, if, if, Tomorrow, I we if Jason, if we woke up tomorrow and COVID was over and we could just and and everything's just back to normal, what is the first thing that you would do? I was I'm curious what what would what is your answer to that? I would go to the bar. I miss yeah. going to the bar to people. I know, yeah, yes. I love that. Yeah, I mean it's it's not and so I have because I work in healthcare, I have been vaccinated now, but still, I, you know, it's it's that doesn't a free you know ticket to go do whatever I want now that's still we don't know enough so I I can't do that so but yeah I I, I love that I'd love to go sit at the at the bar and just watch people and just be anywhere where there's a group of people I miss I miss Sunday when there was a Super Bowl and I didn't get to go to a Super Bowl party I don't even ever know I didn't know the Chiefs and the was it the Bucks I didn't know who was playing I don't care I just like the people. I like the people that go to these events. You know, I want to be in groups of people again. So yeah, I, I totally get that. The bar, the bar would be great to to hit again someday. But then I thought, for me, because before um, COVID, I had really gotten geared up and started traveling. Just every six months, I would go someplace overseas, go someplace big. Several years ago, my, my parents passed and they, they left me some money. And I, the first thing I thought of is that I have two grown daughters and I would love to take them on a trip somewhere. So I asked each of them, I said, 
And I had done a little bit of traveling, but not, not that much yet because I couldn't afford it. I had to save up for, you know, 10 years for the next trip. And I asked each of them, where would you like to go? So my, my youngest was like, Iceland. And I thought, you you know, your mom is cold in 80 degree weather, right? She's like, yeah, Iceland's the best. So yeah, not only did we end up going to Iceland and I took her and her husband, we went during the, during Christmas. So it was, uh, and they have the same, I mean, seasons as us, although their summer's probably not near as warm, but we went when it was, you know, brutally cold, but we went around the whole island and it was just really interesting. And I, I thought of, I thought of you in a few instances, because you were doing your, your, your beer chats on online. And I thought, um, and, and Iceland is such a unique country. They don't allow home brewing. And so their alcohol rules are really interesting and everything, there's this, this remote location. So everything's shipped in and everything is 20 times more expensive. So we went to a pub one night and their, their beer special for the night was 23 American dollars for a pint. Whoa. A pint. And everybody's like down in these beers. And I'm like, man, you guys are rich. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was crazy that, you know, and so of course, when I left, when I leave the country, I always try to go to the, um, if, if I haven't tried to sneak something in my luggage and hopefully nobody's listening to me, that's going to, you know, arrest just, us later. Just the government. But, uh, just the government. Okay. <laughs> they're listening to me always. Um, I always go to the, um, the, what do you call it? The duty-free shop and pick up some, some of the local flavor of alcohol and bring it home. And so I, the local alcohol is called Brennevin. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Brennevin. And so I'm like, Oh, this is like one of the first, and I'd been reading some books that were written by, um, by, uh, by Icelandic authors. And I was like, Brennevin, I've heard of this. I better get lots of Brennevin because this is their local flavor and I want to have some. And I brought it home. And the first night I had been some friends over and we're like, gonna try this Brennevin. I'm so excited. It is the most God awful, disgusting thing you've ever <laughs> drank in your life. It is like drinking battery acid. Ooh. Only probably battery acid would be preferred. I mean, it is so nasty. So I've got this cupboard full of Brennevin because I, I I've tried. You don't. There's nothing to mix it with because it's just so strong. You can't. And I, I guess it's because they don't have really good easy access to alcohol that <laughs> they just they think it's just really fine alcohol uh, what i mean what's the flavor profile like is it like a whiskey I, it's or got kind it of a, a no tea? it's got maybe a it's got undertones of like black licorice kind of in there Ooh, okay okay if you mix so if you the, mixed it nice type yes but flavor. but anise would be good compared to that yeah oh, so okay. yeah anyway so yeah, so we so we went there, and that was really a, a fascinating place to go. But um, and, and it, so back to COVID because again, my life is COVID because I work in healthcare, and you know they're one of the countries that is doing the best against the in the COVID battle, which is fascinating to me. They have I follow the Reykjavik, which is the the capital of the country, um, uh, chronicles or whatever on Facebook, and they have like one new case in the last six weeks or something. So they've done really fabulously. It's amazing. That was, and then my other daughter, she had six adopted kids, four, four adopted, two of her own at the time and our stepchildren at the time. And then she wanted to go to Disney world. So we did that. (laughs) That was super fun too. I, I, I grew up in on the West coast. So I had spent a lot of time at Disneyland. That's actually where we went Disneyland. So that was, that was super fun. But, um, 
but in, in the meantime, I've gone several other places. Like we went to New Zealand, which is one of, is probably the only other country that has really done well in COVID, in times of COVID. And I can't go back because they won't let us dirty Americans in their countries in either one of those places because we're the, we're, we're the worst. America's the worst in terms of COVID. I, I actually read a very interesting study on that, uh, that they were comparing a uh, profile of uh, China and the U.S. and why it was such a different response, you know, because yes, it started in China and yes, it started, you know, that was the hot spot there. So, you know, why were, why were they able to get it in control? We weren't, well, a lot of us is it's because inherently we're a lot more of a freer society and dictators and, or, and authoritarian regimes have the ability to shut things down. And if somebody yeah. complains, it's like they can't point to a constitution and say, look, it's in my constitutional right not to do this. Yeah, we're so, brought up thinking that's way okay to, to, to argue against your, you know, that it's my right to do these things. So. Right. And, and, right. and, you know, I, I get being free, but my, what I've always said during this thing, or especially after I lost my mom to COVID, the one thing I said about this thing and, and masking is that, you know, I get it. I'm a freedom guy. But you can't enjoy freedoms if you're dead. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's there is to it. And if there is some kind of measure of protection that we can do that, you know, and, and unfortunately, the mask was made political. It was mm -hmm. made political and it became an issue and things like that, because I think if, you know, if people were really not scared, because I, I, I mean, I've had fingers put into my chest for wearing a mask. You know, I've had people. You're just a sheep. You're just a sheeple that type of thing. And I'm like, no, not really. I mean, this is an independent thought, obviously, that and I have no problem defending, you know, the, why I'm taking this, this measure, if you don't want to take it. And this is, this is the guilt trip that people have too. I was, I was just waiting in line at an ATM, not paying really much attention to, to the person that was actually at the ATM. I was kind of staring through her you know, that, that distance gaze you might have. And I guess she assumed I was staring at her because she didn't have a mask on. And she immediately started in on me like, uh, you know, hey, I know I don't have my mask on. You know, you don't need to say anything. I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I was actually yeah. not even considering you. I was kind of looking through you. But, you know, it, it's each to your own. I said, I've forgotten my masks in the past. So if you've masked before, you know, that I get it. You know, we forget sometimes. I, it, we're just human. And so sometimes those things happen. But, you know, I'm not saying don't wear your mask or do wear your mask. I'm just saying here's my choice. And I'm making the choice and I appreciate what you're going through and stuff like that. So if you're not wearing a mask, you'll find that I'm a little bit more further from you. I'm going yeah. to take a little bit more of that social distance from you. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you that you have to wear a mask around me all the time. Uh, that's going to be on you and that's going to be on right. your choice. You know. And you know, you know what I don't get is that through the, the recent history, I'm talking about things like nine, you know, nine, nine, 11 and, and the bombing. I mean, the America has shown what we're really like. We care about each other. We, we, you know, we just, we come out in droves and help each other. And then yet something like this, everybody has taken it as a personal thing instead of a way to help each other. So, I mean, to me, again, I've been vaccinated. So I, but I still am going to wear a mask wherever I go because I don't know yet if I can be carrying the vac, you know, the virus around and spread it to somebody else. It's 
I just, I think it's such a, a contradiction of American ideals where we, we don't care enough about each other to wear a mask, but because it's against our constitutional right, I, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand that at all. Well, you know, and, and I think I think the issue is with 9-11, the difference was, is that 9-11 was that sudden shock to the system. Uh, the pandemic has been a slow creep. You know? Yeah, and, you're, that's a and, good point. That's a really good point. you've got shock and awe that it's a moment in time with 9-11, whereas this has lasted a, a, over a year now for the globe and, and almost, well, yeah, yeah, we're now at a year um, since the first recorded case in the United States. Mm -hmm. So... We're, yeah. you know, this is a longer live thing and we're so used to being able to forget things. Look, look at how pop culture works. You know, we had the burning meme just uh, a couple of weeks ago and that was filling everybody with joy, internet joy. Loved but, it so yeah. much. Yeah. But you know, do you see too many burning memes anymore? Yeah. We have that cycle that just fades. We have this natural thing. Where we have a short attention span for sure. Attention span. This is required a longer attention span. And the, and I'll be honest with you. There's there, It's frustrating. It really yeah. is. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm so fatigued from it. I'm ready to rip off the mask. I'm ready to go yeah. out and not have to worry about always having a mask in the car. I'm yeah. Not, or in my jacket pocket or someplace. Right. You know, I've always got to be prepared. And I get it. I, I get that frustration with people mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But the thing is. You know, uh, if we had just all had participated yeah. in two months, we could have averted what we've gone through the last year. Yeah. Um, well, you know, know. We, we are on the, the downside. I mean, currently, and I'm just knocking on every, you know, wood everywhere that I can find to, to that, that we will continue that slide. But, you know, even though Oak and, and in nationally, our numbers are down, Oklahoma, our numbers are down as far as people that are, are, are you know catching or testing positive for COVID? But did you know that last the end of last week? So I was looking at Dr. Bratzler, Dale Bratzler, local COVID celebrity, you know, University of Oklahoma COVID um, chief COVID officer. Uh, looking at some of his numbers last week, at the end of last week, do you know Oklahoma was third in the nation as uh, in terms of our the highest incidence of of positive tests per 100,000 population. So there may be more, you know, in New York, but that's because they have a larger, you know, population. But we, um, number three, Oklahoma, little old Oklahoma in the center of the country, we're, we're right under South Carolina and Arkansas as far as being the, and, and still, even as our numbers are going down, we're that high up on the list. And, and that's just shocking to me. And, and, and devastating. I'm like, we're never going to get through this if we don't get our shit, sorry, our crap together. You know, it's like. <laughs> the cool thing about this podcast is we've got a rating system and we can curse a little Okay. Bit. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> so that's not a problem if we accidentally, but I get it. I get it. And you know, here's where, here's where we're kind of at. We're, we're at this crux where a lot of people don't understand the science that's going on uh, mm -hmm. behind this because Right now, we're going through something, if we really could compare it, it's a moonshot. mRNA vaccines are a brand new technology. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm going to argue with you on that. Okay. No, Myrna, it, or I call it Myrna, and every time I say that, the, the, all the scientists at my, on my campus are like, what does that mean? Oh, mRNA. Um, but... It's no, that, that, that's what people don't get is that it's actually, we have been studying those, um, 
the, the mRNA for quite a long time in um, different uses. So we that's why we were able to move so fast into the vaccine um, to have them ready to be, uh, you know, to get that EAU from the FDA is that we've been studying the mRNA for quite a long time in different uses. So it's so then when they put it into effect and they tried it for a vaccine for COVID, it we knew it was safe. We already knew, you know, the, the history, the background on that particular kind of aspect or, uh, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know the right terminology, but, and so that was, that was what got us ahead so fast in, in developing a vaccine. I know a lot of people are really, really worried about, um, oh, I don't want to take the vaccine. They've, you know, they, they rushed it through. We didn't rush the science through. We rushed, what we rushed through were some of the, um, the after after the actual they had to go through the same clinical trials they've had to go for for every vaccine so we we didn't rush that part but then we rushed the approvals and and, and again it's not actually fda approved it's just got an emergency use authorization so um so that's how they were able to get those out so fast so that we can get them in our arms the um now that the johnson and johnson and the the novavax uh uh what's the other one uh, my mind is on blank, but the other vaccines have, they're more complex and there was some, some, some things that we don't know as much about and hadn't done as much pre-work with. And so that's why they've taken longer to get that EAU from the FDA. Um, and so that'll be, I would, personally, I might would be a little bit more cautious about those just because of that fact. But, um, but in general, they still had to go through the same testing that that the FDA would not have given them the emergency use if they did not go through that stuff. But but anyway, the mRNA was not something that we started from scratch. That's that's one for sh- for sure. And so that we were able to get two vaccine companies to develop something quickly because of that. Sorry, okay. I didn't mean to interrupt no, or, no, no, or no, no, contradict that's, you. That's a, that's a great point. <laughs> we, we had been studying the mRNA. Right. Had we had ever put it into practice in a vaccine? That's very true. Yeah. See, that's that's where I that's where I was kind of angling at that this had never right. been used in a vaccine application, but the science was there. Right. So right, let me right. let me back it up. It sounds like it's a moonshot deal because right. this was a technology we had been developing and had but this is the first real test in vaccines of mRNA technology. Yeah. And the fact that it has they have tested so high, ninety-five percent efficacy, which is unheard of in vaccines, except for the measles vaccine, is like a hundred percent. But but the flu is what sixty on a good year, sixty percent on a good year. So you know that changes every year. So um so it's 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 good. Now the Johnson and Johnson is kind of the range, depending on which part of the world it's tested in. Like in South Africa, it only tested at like 50% efficacy, but in, in America, it tested at like 60% efficacy. Um, but South Africa also has a different strain right now going on of the virus that's a little more aggressive. So funny that you bring that up because right now, uh, for my story this week, that's one of the things I'm studying and, and doing a little bit of research on is the variants and their impact on uh, vaccinations and for us to get out of the pandemic. Yeah. Have you looked into the Brazilian one? That's the one that's scary. And even Dr. Braxler kind of scary. Yes. That's the one that kind of sounds scary because it, it seems to be a little bit resistant to the vaccines. Yeah. It's a little bit more from what I understand. And I I may be getting the terminology wrong myself, but it seems like it's a little bit more virulent, virulent. Uh, It spreads (laughs) a lot faster among humans. 
Well, all of the all of the other variants that we found, the UK, the South African, and the Brazilian, they all seem to spread faster. But the Brazilian also seems to be more resistant, so that's not a good thing, obviously. Right. But the other two, the the South Africa and the um, the UK version variants, have have still shown um, re, have still shown uh, that the, the vaccines are working against them. They're just they spread faster, so you got to get those vaccines in the arms quicker. And and they're 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 slowing deaths. So the people that are getting the vaccine, if they have the UK or the South African variant, they they may still get COVID, but they're not dying if they had the vaccine. The one in Brazil is kind of a crapshoot from what I've heard. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and of course, this is a lot of early data, too. Because yeah. there's uh, Dr. Fauci this week has also said during his uh, White House briefing that, you know, we don't have enough of a data set on these variants to really yeah. tell what direction they're going. We have a general idea, but we really don't have the specific data being able to nail some things down. Not that that data is not being collected, it's being collected. And we're, I mean, that's the other fascinating thing about this pandemic for me as, a, as an observer of science is how much data collection is going on right now. Oh yeah. How much collaboration is going on in the science community to be able to take this on. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I think we could learn a lot from the science community sometimes uh, when it comes to how they collaborate because they're still in competition with each other. I mean, we're still seeing, uh, you know, uh, the, when the previous administration started Operation Warp Speed, it was to engender competition and cooperation. Yeah. You know, cooperation with the folks that are going to benefit from the vaccines and competition among the vaccine makers to be able to get to the uh, finish line safely and effectively. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, this is this is something I've I, and this is probably talking a little bit, you know, sticking my toe in that political water there. But the process of of getting medications and getting therapies approved and things like that it's a long and arduous and that's the reason why we see a lot of of costs moved in that direction mm -hmm. is, is because of the research and development and what it takes to get approved full approval mm -hmm. by the fda for treatments and medication um yeah i think this pandemic proves that we could probably look at ways to make that a more efficient where, you know, if we came up with the cure for cancer today, it's 10 years down the road before it'll be fully, uh, you know, put right. into play. But looking at the way we respond to its pandemic, this is an opportunity for us to really take a look at that process, that approval process and say, can we apply this into other areas that may not be as emergent, but are still just as vital right now and yeah. things that we're trying to conquer. I've heard our, our researchers on, on the University of Oklahoma campus say just that, that, that they feel like that um, the, way, the way we look at research is going to be different, that, that you know, we're, we're hopefully things will move quicker from here, you know, for the future, for different things. So that's exciting. I mean, if something good can come from all of this, surely something good has to come from all of this. We've all sacrificed so much that, that we deserve that, of course. <laughs> well, I'd like to circle back around to what we started with. And is, you know, what's going to be good about this is that it's actually the kind of the fantasies of what are we going to do after the pandemic? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and traveling, because... Uh, because, you know, I, I'm not a foreign traveler. I'm not a guy that's ever really thought about leaving the country too much. I mean, New Zealand, like you've mentioned in Australia, uh, those are the countries I kind of would like to go see. But that would be about it uh, as far as anything I've been interested in. I've always been more interested in, in traveling around the United States and seeing things here. 
uh, in different cities and stuff like that. Like I have never been to New Orleans. I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you have to. You have to. Well, I've never been to Washington, D.C. What kind of American has never been to Washington, D.C.? Well, I, I got to go to the Smithsonian. I got to see the I got to see the White House. I got to just see it from across the street and take a picture. If I went to D.C., yeah. I have to spend at least a week and then maybe even more to get accomplished what I would want to get accomplished. Because you're right. The Smithsonian series of, of museums. Uh, that is something, a fantasy I've always had since a kid is to go through that museum. Me too. And do you know they're free? Yes. Yes. That they're. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. They're supported by a lot of these. I have to go see them. Yeah. Um, I found that, you know, my first free museum I went to was actually in Chicago. Um, that I, it, they just had a donation box up front and then it was like the services. Like if you wanted to get the headphones that you go around and it would give you those little guided tours, like you punch in the button and you're like, and this exhibit came to us from, and it was, it was fascinating because every museum I had been to in Oklahoma had always been, you know, for, for a fee, which was fine. Yeah. I was happy to pay. Right, right, right. Stuff. Yeah. But it was just unusual because here I am going, well, how much does it pay to get in? Oh no, you don't pay. Well, That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. You know, I said, well, if you want to give a donation, it's fine. And then, and then, you know, we've got service, you know, they explained it to me, the front door, they explained to me how they, cause I guess they were used to tourists coming in going, Hey, look at this. It's free, honey. They charge us down South in Oklahoma for this type mm -hmm. of entertainment. Mm -hmm. So if we want to tickle our brain cells, but uh, yeah, so that, that I, I love Chicago. That's another place I'd love to return to. And I've never been, of course, I wouldn't want to go right now where it's really like Ooh. minus eight degrees. No, but. <laughs> no, 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 Chicago's a summertime town to me. Yes, but definitely. yeah, I mean, that's another thing. And people just, and, and I am, I want to go to a different place every time. I don't want to go this, even if I love a place, I want to go someplace else because I want to, I want to see the world. But people need to know, I mean, the United States has such amazing beautiful places to see. I grew up on in Reno, Nevada and, and, and Lake Tahoe it, to me is the most beautiful place in the universe. And then I went to New Zealand and I realized that yes, Lake Tahoe is the most beautiful place in the universe, but New Zealand is all Lake Tahoe, the whole oh, wow. country. Wow. So it's as beautiful. And so, but, but, but the, the United States has just got so many, I mean, I want to be the, I want to see the big ball of string. You know, I don't even know where that is, but I've, I saw it on those, those vacation movies. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, let's see here. You know, I've always, I, uh, another thing I've always kind of wanted to do as far as travel go, I've always wanted to go up the Pacific coast highway. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah go up to Oregon and then to Seattle and to, uh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, you have to do, to do that and check that out. Well, and, and, and even along the California seacoast, I mean, there, you've got Monterey and you've got San Francisco. And so again, I grew up in Reno, but it's, San Francisco is three and a half hours away. So we drove there. I, I, you know, after high school, I, my girlfriends and I would go there once a month and stay in San Francisco for the weekend and just have, have the most fun. But, you know, there's the redwood forest and there's just, and, and you up north. And as I was growing up every day, every year, the day after Thanksgiving, my dad would drive me up to Susanville, California from Reno. And we would go to a big, huge tree farm and we would cut down our Christmas trees and load them up and, you know, haul them back to Reno. And I, always stopped at a cafe and got my blueberry pancakes. I mean, people, don't, kids don't have these kind of memories anymore. I don't think people, families do the, well, maybe this year because of COVID, they've done more of the road trips. I'm hoping because I, I just think that's something that's been missing from a lot of 
people when they grow, uh, kids when they grow up. I think that's a valuable experience. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. It's all, that, no this is my dad right now. This is my I mean, dad. <laughs> I finally remember. Okay, so you talk about childhood experiences. One of my favorite childhood experiences, believe it or not, was to uh, every summer, uh, my parents would dump my sister and I off in uh, southwest Oklahoma with our grandparents uh, that lived in uh, the Altus Duke area, southwest. My grandpa had peanuts and uh, a peanut patch and a watermelon patch and and no, uh, that's awesome we used to go hunt coyotes out in the in the boonies and stuff like that and uh so but during the summers we would spend our summers in southwest oklahoma where 115 degrees was normal yeah yeah so, it's like is that wait what southwest is that altus no wait what's down southwest yeah okay okay yeah. okay and so really it was kind of a small town like i'm from union city oklahoma that's my hometown and so it was duke oklahoma is a very is a small town like that it's actually bigger than union city they've got like a or they had a full furniture store at one point in time there in duke oklahoma uh, the Darby Furniture Store. And in fact, the Darby family, I think, is still very wow. well connected there in southwest Oklahoma. Uh, but my favorite memory during that summer was walking down to the uh, the old gas station. And uh, they would have those old metal Coke bottle machines where you had ah. your deposits. And then when you the pop best. them. And then yeah. they were so cold. And it was real. Nothing glass. tasted better. That was the best. Mm. But oh, we wow. would get, I would get the Orange Crush. And then a packet of peanuts and slip those peanuts into the orange crush. But my grandpa would always get a plug of apple chew, apple tobacco chew. And he would chew tobacco. And he'd always, before, before he'd take his gnaw off, he'd turn around and he goes, you want some of this? And I'd be like, no, no, I'll put some hair on your chest. <laughs> but, you know, but that was the thing that, you know, I remember the most about grandpa is the spit tunes and, and things yeah. like that back in the day, because he was just an old, you know, uh, he was just an old guy that that just was so neat to be around. I mean, my grandpa Jerry was uh, was basically where I get my sense of humor, and just kind of always being this guy that puts off this air that he's always happy and he's always quick to laugh and trying to make other people laugh and smile and and things like that. But he was a hard worker too. I mean, but it didn't matter what he did; he would always work hard at it. And so, uh, major influence on me as a kid. Um, and then when I find out about his life later and how he led his life and things like that, it was just even more amazing that he didn't complain. There was no, yeah. even though he had a long list of that, he could have uh, complained with, um, and things like that. And then when he, he fought in world war two, you know, he was in the Pacific theater in world war two. Um, and, and just all these different things that I didn't know about him. Yeah. Um, and, and things like that. But we were, but as far as being a kid, it was just me hanging out with my grandpa and that was cool. I mean, I didn't need the history of anybody. I didn't need anything like that. I just knew that this guy was extremely cool to me that he, he knew how to look at a watermelon, thump it and knew that if it was ripe or not and ready to pick off the vine, you know, special he, talent. He yeah. Knew how to roast those peanuts <laughs> just right. And, and yeah. he'd get his hand Aww. in the hot and pop out warm peanuts and pop them in his mouth. You know, it's those type of memories. You're exactly right. I, I, I've probably been fairly remiss with doing that with my kiddo. Yeah, um, I do know we've done some family things together that she remembers and things like that. And, and, uh, especially when she was growing up, but you know, now she's an adult with a kid on her own. And so, 
it's a little bit different. You know, we don't get to do the and play those experiences. Yeah. Now, the great thing is, is that I get a chance to make a whole new set of experiences with my grandson. And I know we're all these miles apart and things like that. But boy, when we get the opportunity, we had such a blast uh, between Christmas and, and New Year's playing together. And, you know, it was, of course, the first time I've been in the floor in a long, long time being an old guy. But I know it's hard to get back up, right? (laughs) But we played cars and and, see, I want, I hope your grandson then is someday, you know, 50 years from now telling the story of, of, I remember when I was hanging out with my grandpa Jason and we did this and I just, you know, I I think that is just the most precious, valuable experience of your life. So I I, I miss the little bugger and all that kind of good stuff. And and I'd really like to be more involved if I could, but like I said, the distance kind of puts us at a disadvantage there, but at least I know that I got my little grandson uh, just ready for, you know, and he's, he was super happy. He's a super happy kid and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, I, I there'll be um, future opportunities. I, I, and I of will, course. And whenever I get a, get to see him, I do make those memories and stuff like that. It's kind of like, well, you know, I I actually take a new nickname, and I think it was uh, from, oh, um, Rob Deerdick is he called himself the Funkle once, which is a fun uncle. And uh, so I've got a little redheaded niece that uh we have this spring when it warms back up we have a date for us to go to miniature golf uh, oh fun yeah we're gonna go downtown she's she says she's never been mini, miniature golf but uh, her mom my sister says that oh no she's been but yeah that's gonna be the type of things that i'm really going to look forward to when things start to get back to normal is to, yeah. to do those type of things and yeah. get to take my niece out and do some fun activities out and about and stuff like that, or, you know, hang out and go to the shooting range with my nephew who is a grown man now himself and, and 21 years old and doing it. Okay. But I have to tell you, my grandson and I went and played miniature golf. It wasn't last year now because you know, last year we didn't do anything, but this last, the summer before last, I took him to the miniature golf he was like, I'm Tiger Woods. He's like, I'm going to just, and he's ready. He just gears up to just like slam that ball as hard as he can. He got a hole in one. I tell you, <laughs> I was never so impressed in anybody in my life. That talent. The rest that of the talent. night, the rest of the game, he couldn't keep the ball on the court. I mean, it went everywhere, but still, it was ah. like that one time. It was awesome. <laughs> well, the one time, sometimes that'll be the memory. Yeah. <laughs> well, April... Thank you so much for kicking off this new and improved it's version. It's so fun. Uh, yeah. with friends, and uh, I really appreciate it. We're going to have you back. Uh, all I hope a whole bunch of times and stuff like that because there's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, and I really do appreciate you joining the show and and being one of those initial members that whole gang of friends that we're going to bring on to the podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's fun. I've been seeing him on Instagram, and wow. I've, been, I've been seeing him on Twitter. I've been seeing him in my dreams a lot. So thanks a lot for joining us here on the Shot of JD with Friends podcast, uh, Conversations from Oklahoma City. I'm Jason Doyle. If you want to get a hold of me, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email at shotofjdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me over on social media. That's uh, over on Twitter. It's uh, at Jason Doyle. And then uh, you can also find me over on Facebook at Jason Doyle Broadcasted. That's the Facebook page where you'll be able to explore the world of Jason Doyle Broadcasting so to speak. Oh, sorry, folks. We run out of time. Shame, shame, shame.
Once again, thank you very much. I'm your host, Jason Doyle, for the Shot of JD with Friends podcast. Uh, I got to thank my friend April Sandifer for joining us from OU Health, talking about all kinds of cool stuff. And then this is the way it's going to go. We're going to have all kinds of fun conversations. In fact, the next episode's conversation will be all about the Oklahoma City Thunder. You don't want to miss it. It's coming up on your local podcast wherever you get it. It's the Shot of JD with Friends. Thanks for joining me.